You're listening to the Rooted Feminine Podcast, the place for sovereign women who want to honor just how potent they truly are. I'm your host, Marissa Lawton, a former licensed psychotherapist turned sacred steward, and it's my mission to help women cultivate grounded relationships with their feminine energy and step more fully into their divinity. I walk alongside feminine seekers as they remember their magic, reconnect with ancient rhythms, and reclaim their divine power. By moving beyond patriarchal constructs and good girl conditioning, we are all able to co-create a life of spiritual intention. Each week, we will work to root spiritual concepts in the earth and in the body. You'll get a sense of what it's like to open yourself up to your mysticism like never before and you'll be inspired to walk the feminine path, pouring into yourself and the collective around you. From the way you make your money, to the way you trust your path, and the way you show up in the world, you really can embody your soul's truth. So keep listening and prepare to enter temple space. Hey sisters, let's be honest. There's a difference between your spiritual path being something you do and being who you are. We're all here listening today because we're craving the embodied power that is possible when we resurrect our relationship with ancient and sacred wisdom. But none of us is alone when we realize we have a lot of work to do, individually and collectively, in order to help the divine feminine truly rise. Truth is, there are generations worth of deconditioning and decolonizing work that needs to happen for goddess energy to feel safe enough to flourish. And each of us has a different soul calling and dharmic purpose to help her do just that. While this all sounds so magical, it's not really that easy to step out of the systems and structures we've known all our lives, even if our intuition is screaming at us to do so. And we all could use a little guidance on how best to bravely step onto the feminine path. This is why I made you an insightful quiz. In nine grounded questions, you'll see exactly where you're at in your divine feminine journey and what could help you most as you root into your spiritual growth. It's super easy for you to take and it will give you incredible insight into awakening your magic and stepping into your power. Simply head on over to rootedfeminine.com slash quiz to take the first step in your rerouting journey. Hey sister, welcome to episode six of Rooted Feminine. I am really excited about today's episode because I interviewed Madison Morgan, who I have an absolute online business crush on. I have followed her for a long time and to see her evolution has been really potent and powerful for me. And she goes into that in this episode. One of the things that is really apparent is that Madison not only knows how to guide others through her through their work, but she has done her own work as well. And I think that that is what makes a really good leader and a really good coach and a really good guide is not only somebody who can teach you things that you might not have known, but who is actually doing the work themselves. It brings this level of legitimacy And that is what I really, really pick up from Madison. She's so wise and she is so generous of her wisdom in this episode. So I hope you guys enjoy. Without further ado, we'll jump into my episode with Madison Morgan. Hey sisters, welcome to episode six of Rooted Feminine. I'm so excited to be here today with somebody who I have um, admired from afar and followed her online for a really long time, Madison Morgan, and she will be chatting with us today. And I'm so grateful that she's just going to grace us with her presence and pour her wisdom into us today. So uh, Madison, do you mind just kind of giving us a brief intro, a little bit about what you do, who you are and your work? Yeah, thank you so much. I it's always fun to connect with people who, you know, there's been like an, an overarching time period of following because as you know, my work and my life have probably changed a lot since mm-hmm. you've been on this journey with me. Um, I am a coach. I am someone who lives from a mystical place, which I just really like to see like to me 
I'm not religious, but I do believe in the unseen and the way that all things are interconnected. And so that certainly influences my work. And I have a podcast myself, it's called Everything Belongs. But the core of my work really is about helping folks recenter in their own self-belonging and their sovereignty to feel like they're whole, to reconnect to that place of their own wholeness, and then to live live that out in a way that they're already free, like live their liberation now. And so it has to do with worthiness. It has to do with unwinding from codependency. Mm. It has to do with like deciding that you belong to yourself and living from that place. But it ultimately is like, how can you live your liberation now? And I can like go into all the hows, but that's basically, you know, what it is. Yeah. Where... I I guess I want to start with when, when did you arrive at this being like your work in the world? Would you call it a Dharma or a soul's purpose? Or are you just Mm -hmm. kind of following what pops up for you? How does, how does that show up for you? Oh, interesting. Okay. So I, I would call it a Dharma. I don't know if you're interested into human design at all, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm a four one generator in human design. And so I think the things that are for me are really obvious. Mm. They say that the four one is like on a set of train tracks and their path is kind of carved out for them. And also as a generator, I feel that response. Like I know, even though I have an emotional authority, I don't have that like sacral knowing that some people just, they're so lucky to have, I don't have that. Um, but I actually, I facilitated a class, a dance class yesterday in town. And one of the questions I asked was, how do you know when you know, which is one of my favorite questions. And my answer to that is like, I usually know because I'm already doing it. Mm. Like I've, I've already responded. I'm already into it. And I I pretty much can't do anything that I don't care about. Like I just, I physically cannot do it. I, I, I could fake it for about three weeks. Like I, I had jobs and I was like the best employee for about three weeks before they were right. like, you are, <laughs> you do not belong here. So the, how I got into this work, I was going to college. I was getting my undergrad in communication and psychology. I had plans to become a sex therapist. That was actually like what was really intriguing to me. Just people were always interesting to me. I was also very religious at this time. So like I was facilitating women's Bible studies and circles and small groups for the last, like, I mean, probably since I was a young teenager, like it was just something that I loved to do, but then also, you know, getting into psychology and at the time I was married and my ex-husband needed to go to college. So whenever I graduated college, we did, we couldn't afford for both of us to be in school at the same time. So I was like, you know, I'll just kind of like get a job and support you while you go to college. And in that time, so my my final semester in college, I had one credit hour to fill. And it was like, actually, I like walked and thought I graduated college. And then they were like, <laughs> you actually missed one credit hour. So you're not done. And I was like, fuck. That's <laughs> like, hilarious. Just like literally a nightmare. Yeah. And because I, yeah, just, so I went back and fulfilled this one credit hour of like, personal, like a personal brand class. I was like, that seems easy. And I fell in love with this, like basically it was coaching and it was like my school class in my department on coaching. And I was like, this is really interesting. I'm going to, you know, keep just pursuing this curiosity. Mm -hmm. And that led me you know, one thing after the other, I found out coaching even existed at at that time, you know, this was a decade ago. Yeah. That was totally outside of my perception of what was possible. I just thought you like, you go to school and then you get a job. And I had, I thought I had to go get my master's. So I basically spent about two years, like thinking about it, exploring it. And I finally got a certificate in coaching on top of my degree. And from there, I was 23, but from mm-hmm. there I was like, this is so, it, it just like took off for me and I loved it. And it was, it wasn't what it is now, right? Like I was 23. Right. So right. it was like a 23 year old's version of life coaching. It was like, what are your goals? And like, what right. are you about? how do you Smart goals? <laughs> exactly. It was very much that, Yeah. but like watching people get what they wanted out of life was very exciting to me. And over time, like I was, I was very Christian at the time too. So that influenced it. And then over time, as my journey evolved and I started really healing, I started going to therapy. I started doing a lot of work on myself 
which I think coaching opened the door for in my communities. They were like, you're a witch for telling people they can be whole without God. Mm. You know, like the people were like, you're leading people away from God. And then eventually, you know, I, I did. It was like, seems like everyone maybe has the Holy spirit. So yeah, what was really beautiful about coaching is it teaches you to be a very skilled listener and question asker. And through those skills, I started asking a lot of questions and that, you know, in the decades since has really brought me to a different place in my life, but in a way brought me back home to like, I do sense God and know God and I do know myself. And so all that to say, it was kind of a, like, I just followed my own curiosities and that like, no one was going to tell me I couldn't do this because I was just obsessed with it. I could not do it. I love that. We've we've had so many similarities in our story. And before we started recording, I kind of shared a few. But another one that is very similar is um, same age, 23, 24. I had actually just graduated with my master's from mental health counseling. I was a former wow. therapist. Um, but the army had moved us to Alaska. Actually, okay, sorry. This I had just graduated from business school. And the army had moved us to Alaska. And there was like, one credit union in like the whole town that we lived in like there were there was no business wow. no corporate yeah. like bummers or anything like that so I was on Facebook and I started seeing these ads for ICF like the or, um the coaching institute yeah the coaching institute and I was like what is coaching like and I still at that point that's when I went and got my master's in mental health because I was like, well, this looks interesting, but I don't see a path to employment through this. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and go get a master's degree, go get 3,200 hours of supervision and become licensed in something just to end up actually being a coach because I couldn't get out of that paradigm of like being an employee for somebody. It didn't make sense to me how I was going to make a living through that. Yeah. <laughs> went on this complete detour and then came back. So I just think that's yes. so fascinating how it happens. Um, and I think it's so valid because I, I know a couple of my clients have been like, I wanted to be coach. I want to be a coach, but they don't, they're not interested in owning their own business. And so mm-hmm. I'm like that, you know, and coaches and therapists don't always do the same work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, therapists have a specialty that right. not all coaches do, but it is really curious. You know, I, I don't know that coaching and like, as in having your own business is for everyone because of what the amount of like adaptability that it requires. Mm -hmm. And also if like you're a creative person in love, you know, I, I think it's somewhat of a gamble Mm -hmm. to own your own business, but it also can be so amazing. So I'm like, no discredit to anyone who went that route, because I think that there is a security in like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I can just put up a psychology today and then mm-hmm. it, I'll get clients. Right. Right. And so I think what I'm, I'm just getting this like undercurrent of everything that we're talking about in making the decisions like soul led decision-making inner knowing yeah. decision-making. Right. And so would you say that that's how it happened for you? Like I heard you say, you know, if I, mm-hmm. I know it's for me cause I'm already doing it, but you were doing it in this yeah. capacity leading circles, but they were Bible study circles. Like, so how did yeah. that shift happen? Was it gradual? Was mm-hmm. it kind of like, you know, immediate? when I got my coaching certificate, I just was like, I love, I love facilitating groups. It's actually, I think it's my strength. It's my biggest skill set. I, I love one-on-one, but I am very skilled and just prefer leading groups. I think that what can happen in a group space is so profound. And so I was, I went from leading Bible studies to like, Hey, I want to, I hosted the, these gatherings. I called glow gatherings, which is like so funny now, but I was like, having my friends who owns like small businesses and vintage clothing shops. I was like, can I use your space to like, just facilitate the circle? It's like $10 to come and basically paid for like the snacks. Yeah. And I really loved, like I would choose a topic and choose a theme. And then I would form like a bunch of questions around it and then facilitate the conversation. And I, I just liked it. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, like I was like, I, I think that people are getting something out of this. People are reporting, really enjoying it, but also I liked it. And so I was just, I was just doing a lot of that, which sounds so ballsy. Like I look back, I'm like, damn, I was just so ballsy being like, I'm doing this now. And I'm going to, you know, I didn't want to do Bible study. I didn't want to do that, 
that vibe, but I wanted to keep gathering in circle. And to be quite honest, I think part of it is neurodivergence for me is like, I really feel connected to people in an intentional way. And it can be harder for me to connect with people just like in groups normally. And so I think that like, if I look back, I'm like, oh, I think I found a lot of safety in knowing what my role in the group was and being able to connect in a way that was really pointed without small talk because I'm not really good at doing it. <laughs> so it's, I think in some way I was getting a need bet mm-hmm. and I am a better facilitator, I think, than I am like just regular at, at regular connecting with people. I I think it's knowing what my role is. I think it's being able to ask the questions that I really want to ask, but are like inappropriate to ask, like just when you're hanging out with people. (laughs) And so I think that in a lot of ways, being neurodivergent led me to finding a way, because I love people so much. And I, I said, struggled connecting with people outside of more of a formal Mm -hmm. way of doing so. But I'm like, I just so longed to connect. I think in some way I was like getting a need met from being mm-hmm. able to facilitate because it meant that I was able yeah, to ask the questions I wanted to ask to, to like show up in the way that I felt safe and comfortable showing up. Yeah. Um, and so I like, I'm like fine with hanging out with people in groups and not facilitating. I don't, it's not so much like a, I have to be in that role as like a power dynamic. That was something I questioned for a while. It's like, mm-hmm. is it, you know, is it something that I don't feel vulnerable? I'm like, no, I actually feel quite comfortable being vulnerable. But when you're a facilitator, you have a script. Yeah. And yeah. and that felt really safe for me at the time. And so in some ways, I just think I feel kind of intuitively comfortable in that role. Um, what's, what's funny is apparently my astrology would say, though, I have like, I have five or six placements in the 11th house of friends and it's ruled by Leo. Mm. So my, my communication, my Venus, my Jupiter, all of these planets are there, but so is my Chiron, which is the wounded healer. And so my astrologer was like, you're very oriented towards groups, but you will always be standing on the edge of the group mm. and, and holding like, kind of like you're seeing what's happening in the group, but you're not fully a part of it. And I'm like, that kind of felt like a relief for me to be like, oh, that's like, I'm actually meant to be in this role by design. Yeah. And it it also helped my belonging stuff of like, oh, okay. So all that to say my twenties were a lot of learning about all of that. And I just like to kind of circle back to your question about like, is it a soul led decision? It has helped me to understand, like, I really do think that there's a blueprint for all of our ways of being in the world. You know, a lot of the coaching industry would be like, you can be anything. I'm like, I don't think so. I think that there's a a potential for each of us to be who we fully are. And I think that it's about tapping into like, what is the blueprint for you to be your fully expressed self? And I feel fortunate that like, my body doesn't really let me say no to the things that are for me. Like I will get sick. I will not be okay. Yeah. And so I describe it as like a golden cord. Like I just feel like I have a golden cord and I'm just following it. And that's not to say I feel certain, like in none of my decisions, am I like, this is going to work out because I am following my soul. Like it generally feels like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, right. <laughs> but like in looking back, but I'm, I'm trusting like, oh. it anyway. Yeah. Like when you look back and you can be like, every time I've done this, it, it works out. Every time that I make a shift, it, it, it lands. I can see how there was a cord through all of it, yeah. but in the moment, it's not like. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> so I love yeah. that. So one of the things that we're focusing on the show in, in that kind of this block of episodes is the concept of liberation. Mm. And I, my language for this is like rewilding, but some people use the language of deconstruction and it sounds yeah. like, and I know, cause I followed you for a while, but like there's been quite a few things that you've deconstructed, you know, oh, yeah. probably in the same decade that you're talking about of like, um, of the twenties when you were doing so much of this exploration and stuff. So can you talk to us a little bit about like your deconstruction or your rewilding journey, how you've liberated from a lot of oppressive systems, how you've liberated from a lot of structures and yeah. again, were these conscious choices, were these choices that you arrived at like how how is that process for you yeah I love this question and I do think most of it was a conscious choice so 
I grew up in a, a very enmeshed and abusive household. Like the short of it would be, I was the first child of the first marriage of my parents. I have six siblings. None of us have the same two parents. Mm. Um, my dad's been married five times. My mom was the first wife, which means, you know, I've seen a lot. And my home life with my mom and my stepdad was quite abusive. So much so that like, I actually don't talk to them anymore, except I, out of like a birthday text. Yeah. So um, I didn't, I couldn't really see any of that, to be quite honest, whenever I was, you know, beginning this journey. But what I did was I actually dove myself into far evangelical, like radical Christianity, mm-hmm. because it made sense to me that God loved me. It made sense to me that like this community of people would surround me. And looking back, I'm like, I was looking for belonging and safety and family because my family was not safe. Yeah. And so I got married really young. I got married to my first real boyfriend and excuse the construction. If you can hear it, it sounds like someone is sawing outside, (laughs) (laughs) you know how it goes. Um, and I was really good at it, right? Like I was like, Oh, don't have sex till you're married. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Like, and I, I also just like loved, I really did love God. Like I loved worship. I loved learning about philosophy. And so there were a lot of ways where I'm like, that really worked for me. And like I had mentioned earlier, when I got into coaching, I started asking a lot of questions. Like I was in that really, that wasn't so welcome. So kind of divesting from the church in a conscious way was about a three-year journey where like I'm confessing my doubts. And then, then I'm like, you know, why can't gay people come here? Why are we doing church discipline on this person because they're gay? Like, why can't I talk to them anymore? Why do are trans people not allowed to exist? So I just had, and also like, why aren't women allowed to teach men? That seems really stupid. Um, so after a couple of years of just being like, this doesn't make any sense. And then starting to read more books and listening to different voices. This was around the time that people were starting like podcasts were starting to take off. And so I was gaining access to voices that weren't in my tiny little community. Mm-hmm. And once I like got access to information, which was in that group, it was like, you know, you're only allowed to read Christian books. You're only allowed to like do mm-hmm. this circular reasoning. It was like my mind just expanded, you know, coaching gave me access to people from all over the world that I'm talking to on a regular basis. I, mean, I have all this information and then it was just completely incongruent. And at the same time, I had deep cystic acne. Like I remember just having like 30 pimples on my face that were like so painful. And I was having chronic IBS symptoms. Like my body was just unwell. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, uh, she's, she was like, not even really a friend. She was an acquaintance, but I was, t- you know, telling her about my childhood and she's like, you were abused. And that was news to me. Like I really, I was very much the golden child. My parents, like I was, I achieved everything. And so in my mind, I had a great childhood because I just was so successful at all these things I loved doing. And she's like, no, you were abused. And so she's like, you you really need to go to therapy. And I started going to therapy and specifically a uh, applied kinesiology trauma therapy. And within six months, all of my acne was gone. All of my IBS symptoms gone. And it was like trying to fit back. The way I describe it is like God died. And like my concept of God, I like couldn't understand how the healthier I got, the less I could, I could make this work. It was like the genie was out of the bottle and I wasn't going to get it back in. And so that kind of led to a journey of like, you know, then it was like, oh my God, the patriarchy is a thing. And then it was like, oh my God, like white supremacy is a thing. And then it was like, oh my God, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know because of how much I had internalized all these narratives. So, you know, then I got divorced. And so it, it was like, I think in like a seven year period, it was like one thing after another, just like fell away from my life. And, um, thinking I got divorced four years ago, like this, like this month was like, Mm. whenever I left my ex-husband and then it was like the pandemic started and that just was like a whole nother journey of like societal understandings of the way that we relate. And so, uh, gosh, that was a really exhausting like decade Yeah, because there was so much that fell away and I've, 
I've discovered not everyone takes such a conscious approach to it. Like some people like leave the church and they're like, yeah, it didn't work for me anymore. But for me, it was like, I had to skim through everything to like, I wanted to know the ins and outs and why did this happen to women? And why are we doing this to people of color? And, you know, I had to know, I had to get to the bottom of it, Mm -hmm. which was quite exhausting. But at the same time, that led me at the beginning of the pandemic or right before the beginning of the pandemic to realize that a lot of the things I was under, starting to understand about the culture that we live in was a macro version of my family. And so I was starting to see that narcissistic abuse on the macro and the micro, you know, white supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, these are macro narcissistic abusive systems. And my family system was a very toxic, enmeshed narcissistic family system. And as the golden child, you know, the, the child that was just performing perfection, I thought it hadn't impacted me. But the moment I started saying, actually, I'm not available for this, everything crumbled. And so that's whenever um, I really started evaluating, like, I I thought all the traumas I had dealt with, you know, I'd done EMDR therapy, you know, Mm-hmm. I, they to me the obvious traumas were the ones I needed to heal from like my dad went to prison and you know like my parents were divorced and I had dealt with all of these like what I thought were these big t traumas and it hadn't occurred to me the complex trauma of living in an abusive yeah. enmeshed environment and so that's whenever that kind of exploded for me and it's been a a three-year journey of like deep attachment somatic therapy so all that to say, the last decade has been about like deeply looking at the way systems, family, religious, cultural impact us. And I wasn't ever intending to like leave any of those things. Like I wasn't like, this is bad, I'm leaving. It was like the more questions I asked and the more healthy I became, the more all of them stopped working. And I think if the healthier you become, you can't belong in your church or in your marriage or in your friendships or in your family. That's a red flag. So so yeah. Could you you share like, what's an example of some of those questions? Like, were you saying like, is this right for me? Or like, what were you asking yourself in this deconstruction Mm -hmm. rewilding seven year process? Yeah. You know, I think the questions differed, but uh, they all kind of come down to why can't I be myself? Mm. Mm. at the core of all of them it was like as a wife my ex-husband would be like I just wish you were more in your feminine I just wish you were more like this and in the church it was like you well you just talk too much or you ask too many questions or like Mm. you just and I would like I just feel like I'm being whittled down to nothing and I remember distinctly I was a missionary in Mexico and I will say the person who did this has apologized and we are on good terms. Um, he was my college pastor, but he sat me down. I'm, I'm 19. So I'm just like, I'm 19. I'm in a different country. I'm not allowed to call home because it was just a really weird religious experience. And he sat me down and he's like, you know, Madison, you talk too much and you don't ask enough questions. And he basically was identifying everything about my neurodivergence and everything about my trauma Mm. and there was you know no trauma informed and also women aren't supposed to talk so (laughs) just not not good I was a mixed match for the culture and he was like you need to read these books and we're praying for you and everyone on leadership here has been watching you all summer and they all agree with me when I say that you have these problems and so like here are the books for you to read And I hope that whenever you come back home, that you can be basically more of a like inquisitive, quiet woman who supports leadership or whatever. And I remember that night, everyone went to bed and I just like sat in this chair. It's just so visceral. I sat in this chair, like near the balcony and I just like wept. I'm like sobbing, just saying, God, like, why did you make me like this? if I'm supposed to be different, like, I don't understand. It doesn't, like, if we're supposed to be, which I always believed, like, in our true nature, we're just close to God, but, like, why is how I am so wrong? Mm -hmm. Because they weren't overtly sins. Like, I'm not doing anything bad. I don't understand why why I am is so wrong. And so, mostly, it was, why can't I be how I am? 
why is the way I am so wrong? And that it just never made sense to me. And so the, the more I left, I'm realizing all of that was toxic shame. Yeah. And so a lot of the questions had to do with why do we believe people are wrong? Why do we believe our true nature is wrong? Like, why are women evil? Like, why are our bodies bad? And so, yeah, like it all came down to like, why can't I be myself? Yeah. And as the answers came through, were you, (laughs) I'm just curious because again, I have my own experience for this. Were you prepared like for these answers for you? No. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> like holy shit, this just came through. But what do I do with that? Right. And I will say, I think it was less even answers, but like the more questions I had, the more questions I had. Mm. And so it wasn't like I was getting any definitive answers because to be honest, no one was answering my questions. Right. I was like, and that was what was upsetting. I was like, why is no one able to answer these questions without using reductive circular reasoning that leads right. back to something that makes, but that was my original question. Like, you know, it doesn't make sense that women can't lead. Why can't women lead? Well, because the Bible says they can't lead. And I'm like, but why? Oh, but because they're the weaker sex. I'm like, that's not literally true. Like all the, so it was just like, the, the answers actually weren't real. Yeah. And so they didn't satisfy and they just led to deeper questioning and deeper questioning and deeper questioning until I was like, I can't be around people who like, I had a friend who was like in the church was like, oh yeah, well, people are only gay because they were molested. And I was like, that's literally not true. Wait, there's, that's just Where is your evidence for that? <laughs> yeah. And so it was besides like, your circular reasoning here. Exactly. And so yeah. it was like, it was, it was kind of started to feel like talking to a brick wall. <laughs> I was yeah. like, this is exhausting. Um, and so I just, I honestly just started going spaces where like people were asking really good questions. Mm. And so I don't know if I ever felt satisfied with an answer. It was that I wanted to go places where questions were welcome. How did you start to move forward? I feel like me personally, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people would, they would need to know like, what's the next step or they'd need to know how to move forward. But if this is kind of just questions leading to more questions, yeah. what, was, what was forward movement like for you in that time? How did you get from there to now here? Mm-hmm. There were distinct moments. Like I, I see like the distinct moments that was the last time I went to church, it was Easter, probably of like 2015. I don't, I think that that's probably right. And they were do, giving communion. And I knew in the biblical tradition that you're not supposed to take communion unless you're a true believer that all this is true. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't think that that's true. So maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. And I was like, I can't, I just felt wrong. And I was like, I can't keep coming. And then same thing with my marriage. I was like, when I realized I was attracted to a woman, I was like, well, I can't keep lying. It just felt too incongruent to keep lying. There wasn't so much of like, and then here's what I'm going to do next. It was like, I physically cannot keep doing something that feels like a lie. And it's not like it was like, because I just knew, and then I just made these choices. Like it took a long time. I perceive it took a long time for me to get there. And I usually didn't know what was going to come next. It usually felt like just like being absolutely scared and being like, but I don't, I know I had a choice. I'm not a martyr to my choices, but in those moments, it didn't feel like another choice was an option. Like I was like, this is to be myself, to be well, to be free. This is the only choice that out of these options And I mean, that was the same true with my family, my last breakup, like all of these almost like lines in the sand. It was like, I resist, 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 resist until I just can't anymore. And I free fall to whatever's next. And I never know what's on the other side. And that's, it is scary. Yeah. Okay. So you're newly single. You've left your support, right? You went, your sense of belonging, your community a freaking pandemic starts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like there, I, I don't, I don't know. I will say I wasn't, I wasn't single when the pandemic started because yeah. I pretty much immediately started dating a woman. Okay. Like it was very fast. And cause I knew she was the woman that I was like, I think I'm attracted to this person. And my ex-husband was like, well, you should kiss her then. And I think he didn't think that I would. And I was like, 
okay. <laughs> so, so I did. Thanks, bud. I, was like, I was like, we have to get divorced. Like, thanks for the, thanks for the permission. We have to get divorced. And I pretty much started dating her immediately. And I, we were on vacation when the pandemic started, she and I were, and basically we came back and had to quarantine together because we had been traveling. And my, my roommate was like, don't come back to my house. I have kids Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to, you know, get her, her and her three kids sick. And so I basically just like lived there for a couple months and was like, I guess I live here now. And that's how we moved in together. And, uh, that relationship ended last year, ended up not being, I think if it hadn't been for the pandemic, it would have been over a lot sooner. Um, but God, that relationship taught me so much. It, it fucking dragged me. I'll be honest. Like I, I just thought that like that summer Glenn Doyle's book untamed came out the summer I got divorced and came out and was like, Oh, it's going to be like this. Like, I just, I was like, Oh, I figured it out. I'm like, it's just going to be perfect forever. And it was like, actually this relationship is going to reveal to you all of your unhealed childhood dynamics that you didn't have enough intimacy with your ex-husband to learn about. Yeah. So I got, I got a little fucking dragged, but for the best, but damn it, it really, that was hard. Hey there, hopping in real quick to let you know that I've created something deep, profound, and also really fun for you. I know you're here because you're yearning for the days when feminine power was revered, when women were the sought after oracles and the magic weavers. But the first thing that often comes up is the fear that modern day society no longer celebrates these ideas. We no longer take the time to slow down and savor the seasons, leaning into the wisdom that Mother Earth so graciously offers. We no longer pour into ourselves and each other, mothering a sense of community and well-being. And we no longer co-create with the universe, bringing divine guidance down into our bodies and living our soul's truth. For those of us who crave this, it's really hard to reconcile the deep yearning for feminine ways with the uber-productive and mostly destructive masculine flavor of the world's day. So how are you supposed to reclaim your magical, powerful birthright when the world isn't designed to support it? Well, I'm a firm believer in tapping into your roots. You absolutely can embody ancient wisdom and awaken your feminine magic in your modern day life right now. I mean, what better way to bring down the patriarchy than to live, breathe, and share the sacred feminine at the grocery store, the school pickup line, in our businesses, and every way we show up in our day-to-day lives. In fact, I'd love to walk you through a rewilding process that will help you bravely step onto the feminine path and rebirth your relationship to your power. And you can start by watching my on-demand training called the six phases of the rerouting cycle. When you tune in, you'll explore why ascension is doing a disservice to your spiritual journey and how descension and embodiment really serves you. We'll also go through the six phases of the rooting cycle, the feminine energies that support it, and how to work toward embodying your rebirth. And finally, you'll learn how to avoid the number one mistake women make when rerouting into their feminine. So if you're ready to boldly step onto the feminine path and reclaim your primal potency, you can sign up for the training and start working toward calling your feminine energy into your everyday life right now. Simply head over to rootedfeminine.com masterclass to register. So through this process, through this evolution, through this unraveling, all of it, like, yeah, what would you say liberation means to you like can you define it can have you now that you've kind of been through it or what would you say Mm -hmm. to others who are in this liberating themselves process yeah immediately a quote from my mentors come up and it's the quote a fixed thing is not free Mm. and that means a number of different things because I think it in this journey there was a, I want to be liberated from what's oppressing me. There was that stage of like these systems and these people and right. this dynamic is oppressing me. And then I came into, oh shit, I'm doing the thing I always do. I'm oppressing me yeah, because I am beholden to all of my egoic patterns that got me into this mess in the first place, which for me is like, 
very people pleasing, wanting people to like me, wanting to be the best, willing to sacrifice. It seems at odds, right? Like it seems at odds to be so oriented towards integrity, but at the same time, my, like not everyone, you know, chooses to be a wife in a really evangelical, basically cult. like not everyone chooses that. Right. And I'm like, okay, there's something in me that wanted approval, wanted to belong, wanted these things that at some point in that journey, I had to realize that I was partnering with these dynamics. I wanted my parents' approval. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be regarded in a certain way. I wanted to be a good wife. I wanted to do being queer right. Mm. And so I, I, in those moments, I totally missed what was really going on. I missed the red flags. I missed the warning signs because it was more, I hate to say more important because none of this was conscious, but I was more wanting to be approved of and to be liked and to be safe then I was in those moments wanting to discover what was really true and eventually my authentic self was like fuck no get out of these things but liberation has eventually become less about rebelling against what other people are doing and looking at like what the fuck am I up to because wow I'm not victim blaming myself because I don't believe in victim blaming and Whenever you're in the same kind of dynamic repeatedly, like it's it's good There's to be a like why? denominator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like why did, why does this keep happening to me in all these different contexts? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm doing something that could be contributing to this, and I was. Well, I love it's it harkens back to what you said in the beginning of the macro and the micro, right? Yeah. So for you personally, it sounds like it started on this macro level, and then you kind of couldn't help but look at you in the micro, like the macrocosm, yeah. microcosm. And other people might arrive at this the other way. They might start working yeah. on stuff with themselves and then start to see, oh, holy crap, like this isn't just me or my family or my whatever. Like this is the world. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't matter which direction you go, but but recognizing that as within, so without, as above, so below, yes. right? So in the micro and the macro. Absolutely. And you know, it's so funny because I thought at the time that I was really starting with myself and in a way I was, but like, I, I wasn't ready, you know, at 24, 25 to see how deeply what I was doing. And I think there has to be a sense of compassion of like, wherever you start, whatever your journey is, like, you can only know what you know at the time that you know it. And sometimes if you were to be revealed everything at once, you would be so overwhelmed. <laughs> like if I had, if I knew what I know now, 10 years ago, oh, yeah. I don't know if, I mean, the 10 years ago, me wouldn't have chosen this. Right. It would have been like, you are the devil, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? So I'm glad it went this way because I don't, I always say, like, I always think that I know what's best for myself in five years and my five-year plans, but I would not want my five years ago self to be creating my life today. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'm in my mid-30s, and I sort of now just feel like an adult, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I was not an adult in my 20s. I, but if you asked me then, I was like, I know what I'm doing. Like, it's yes. so crazy. Like, so I love how you're saying, like, this is something I've kind of picked up from our talk is like doing the best with what you have in that moment. And I feel like that's kind of been along your journey. It's just been like, what, what's my Anna from frozen twos coming up? Like the next right thing. Like what's the next Mm -hmm. right thing? What's the next right thing? And just progressing in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's all you can do because you can't know more than, you know, right. Another theme that I'm hearing as you're speaking to is this concept of ownership right? Mm-hmm. What I, I love what you just said is like this whole common denominator thing. Like it's very easy to deflect and it's very easy mm-hmm. to say, oh, it's be- I'm this way because of that or because of them or because of this. But then when you turn it into the micro, when you look in yourself, taking some ownership of that. Yeah. Yeah. Also like selfishly taking ownership is great because I have learned you can't change other people Mm -hmm. and, you know, taking ownership is a fast track to a little bit more happiness. I think because I like to feel like I have control for better or worse. And when I'm trying to change other people, I'm trying to control something that can definitely not be controlled. So I'm like, if I'm taking responsibility for what's up with me, even if I can't change it, even if I can just see it, Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a greater sense of control in my life of like, okay, I can, I can choose what comes next. That feels 
shocking that that feels terrible for some people, but that feels like a relief to me because I honestly, I didn't have a lot of control in my household growing up. I was very much controlled and like watched like a hawk in every single way. And to, to think like, actually I get to control what happens in my life. I get to control what I do next. I get to control my own outlook of this. That feels very liberating to me. It feels like accessing my power because what do you not have when you're being abused is control you know, is choice. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the more choice and the more access I have to making those choices and, to, you know, feeling my agency, I feel much more liberated. I love that you brought the word power in because that's exactly where I was going to go. I think we're so it's ingrained in us and we're taught that power, especially for women is a bad thing because we're, mm. we're just thinking of power over others, power over others. Yeah. But true power is self. Power. True power is responsibility. Um, yeah. And I love that you're kind of bringing this in, into the conversation here. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm like, yeah, I, I haven't even remembered that people feel like power is power over others, but that is like, I think why some people are so afraid of their power. And also I think from, I can speak for myself, if I knew my power, that meant that I had to know what I knew and to to make choices based on it. And I think there was, I had a habit of being confused and being easily manipulated because I, I so didn't want to see what was really going on. And that for me is a trauma response. Like it's, it was very much, if I see what's going on and I admit what's going on, there are going to be consequences. And I think that a lot of us negate our power because if we know what's going on and we have a choice in the matter, then we have, then we have that choice and we have to make it or not and deal with the consequences. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really scary for some people. It was scary for me to realize like, actually I have a choice here. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have a choice maybe when I was young or, you know, whatever, but now I have a choice and I have agency and I can actually do, maybe not change the other person, but I can leave. People Mm -hmm. will say this all the time. Like if I admit this in my marriage, then what if I have to leave? And it's like, well, you're still making a choice by staying and being miserable, like, or by staying and never seeing what could change. Because sometimes it's just having the conversation and admitting what you want. And then the marriage or the relationship could totally shift for the better. Right. And so, yeah, like, I think if we admit our power, we have to to do something. Mm -hmm. And that really scares us. Talking about power and agency and choice is leading me to the idea of sovereignty, which I know is a big piece yeah. of choice as well. So how how do you define sovereignty and is it related to kind of what we've been talking about here? Yeah. So but same with power. I think sovereignty is an innate quality. I don't think these are things that we have to like work to have, I think there are things that we have to work to gain access to. Mm. Like we are innately powerful. We are innately sovereign. um, And we don't always remember that. And so to me, sovereignty, unfortunately, the word has been like hijacked in the last couple of years by the far right. And so I just like to clarify that to me, sovereignty means I belong to me and you belong to you. And as two beings who have their own skin and their own body and their own energetic field and our own thoughts, we also belong together. And so I just want to clarify what I think the far right has done is it's like, I belong to me and don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And I think the new age space is like, but we're all one and also problematic. Like, the, you know, mm-hmm. these are problematic and in the same way on the same extreme. But the reality is, is like, as a human the human race, we are all connected. We do share consciousness. We are like, if you look at like swarms of birds and I don't know what they're actually called, probably not swarms, but you know, you've seen them move together. They're one entity, but they're individual birds making up that. And that's the same with humans and same with a family system, for example. And so if the family system is overly like, we're all one, you get complete enmeshment. You don't get healthy autonomy, healthy individualism, healthy and healthy ability to know who I am inside of that family unit. And if you get the other side of like, I'm sovereign, don't tell me what to do, which is like a hard, 
a hard stance of autonomy, you also don't get the sense of unity and belonging and togetherness. You get hyper-individualism and it actually separates us from connection. So to me, sovereignty is I know who I am so much so that I actually feel safe to belong with other people. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, if you look at those in terms of attachment, you've got complete avoidant attachment on the like, I'm sovereign and autonomous. You've got complete anxious attachment on the like, we're all one. And to me, sovereignty, healthy sovereignty is just a secure attachment to yourself and to life and to others of like, I can take care of myself and I belong to myself and I'm a healthy adult human being. And therefore I'm connected to others in a way that is also healthy. Mm-hmm. I love that. One of the tenets uh, about rooted feminine is like we pour into ourselves so that we can pour into the collective. Yeah. Right. And it's like, if it, this is kind of something I stole from psychology, but it's like, if you're trying to pour into others, but your cup is empty, there's, it's not, there's nothing going to be there. Right. Totally. And so it's like, we need to nurture ourselves, nurture our souls. And by being fully embodied, by being radiant, by being filled, that's when we can radiate to others. Right. And so I love that concept of interconnected is the word that comes because it's not a mesh. It's not where we're squishing together like Play-Doh and we can't separate back out. Right. But it's, I, I have my own boundaries, my own being, and it is interconnected with you who has your own boundaries and your own being. Yes. I think, you know, it's, I'm trying to think of how to articulate it. I think sometimes so visual, I'm like, how do I translate this into words? Um, I'm not even going to go there because I'm like, I don't think I can and I'm going to botch it. So I'll just, I'll ping the ping pong ball back to you. Yeah. So you have a new project that at the time of the recording is really new. When this comes out, it'll be around for a while. But I think what's really cool because we kind of focused the beginning of, of the episode on your healing journey. which is important, but I also like how in this new project, you're talking about, let it be good, right? We can't be buried under our healing all of the time. Yeah. Right. I think there's, there's times and places. And in my work, I I talk in terms of seasons. So right Mm -hmm. now we're in liberation season. Let it be good. Let it be Mm -hmm. enjoyable. There will come a t- the wheel will turn. We'll be back in healing season. Like yeah. but we don't have to be there all the time. Yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your new project and kind of what your um your intention with that is and the message of that? Yeah. yeah, thank you. It's it's called the Sacred Heart Sanctuary and it's a membership. First of all, like aside from all the messaging around it, I just it really became obvious to me that people right now, especially with the recession and with people feeling like they didn't have as much resources, but we're still needing more support than ever before yeah. to have something that feels a little bit more approachable. You know, most of my work is really deep work and long-term containers with people. And so not, I know not everyone has access to spending thousands of dollars on coaching and support. And so I really wanted to create something that was a lot more accessible to people who, you know, don't want to do a nine month leadership program with me. Mm-hmm. So just to put that aside, I'm like, okay, I'm aware of like the, the practical reasons for this. Um, but more of like the heart behind it, I would say in the last like two years, it became really obvious, like that decade of healing was so needed, but also like it kind of created a very like skeptical view of the world, especially, you know, through the pandemic. Also, I started noticing, like I was feeling really disappointed in people and just starting to see, like see in a different way than I had before. I think I had stayed pretty open and I just thought I started feeling really down. And I think that also my previous relationship I went into that just like so naive and so open and just like life is going to be good. But like I went into it and into the pandemic, just like believing the best and truly I got dragged. And like, it showed me so much that I, it's so, it like sobered me up. And that's like some of the language of like, I'll use in the program too, is like the last couple of years did sober a lot of us up, but how, how do we keep access to an open hearted sense of being in the world 
while knowing that like we have a lot of work to do there is ongoing trauma happening yeah. to people we have trauma to heal from personal ancestral like all that is real how do we go about doing this in a way that doesn't completely burn us out and doesn't deplete us and doesn't make us jaded because i think once you can start seeing like what was happening in your family or what's happening in the culture it's like well, fuck this and fuck these people. Everyone's right. toxic. Like it could be so much, or even like on yourself, like, a, wow, I made all these mistakes and I've been toxic. And so how do we, how do we see that all of it's a part of the human experience and kind of reorient to all those things are happening. All those things have happened and my life gets to be good in the midst of it. Mm. And what's so funny is my mentor, one of my mentors, Julie Parker, who actually is the founder of the coaching institute I went to, she watched my training, which was so nice that she did that. I was like, thank you for coming to my coach training thing. And she was like, you know, this is the fundamentals of what coaching is really about. It's how to recenter your life on how to create a life of goodness. Mm -hmm. And it kind of felt good to hear that of like, in a way it was like coming full circle of like, you know, whenever I was 23 and it was all very simple and light and fun. And I, I got so deep in it that it's like this returning to something of like, actually, like, what if we just need the simple stuff? What if we need to focus on what's good, but in a deeper way than before, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're not in our early twenties. We're not like trying to skim the surface. We do need support and we do need community. And so Yeah. It's like, for me, the other element of this is I really came in contact personally with my, like my own heart. I'm someone who can be very disconnected from my feelings and just like full on, I just want to get shit done and I'll bypass what's going on for me. And when I came into my heart, I realized like, oh, there's like such an earnest place inside of me that built all of these walls to protect. And like, I want to stay open. So what kind of a life do I need to have that will allow me to stay open? And that means that I need a life where I'm very much like I call it just being the guardian of the good of like, I have to be very mindful of what I give my attention to and who I give my attention to and what I'm doing because I'm sensitive. Yeah. And if I hear anything from folks, it's like they realize through the pandemic how sensitive they are, how their capacity is actually different than they thought, Mm -hmm. but they don't know how to live aligned to it because they're trying to keep up with 2018 version of them and they can't do it. And then they're like depressed and sad and burnt out because they can't match what was actually never really healthy for them. Exactly. So I'm ranting now, but clearly I'm passionate about this. Yeah, no, I love it. It's all good. It's all good. If you had kind of just some parting wisdom for somebody who's on this journey and wanting to reroute into something real, reroute into something deep to yeah. move on the surface level and find some, some depth, what would you kind of have to mm. say for that? For someone who wanted to go beyond the surface level, I would say, ask good questions. Mm. Um, I would say, find the good that you want to be the guardian of. Mm. It's if you don't know what you want to protect, like, like, then your boundaries are just keeping things out, you know? And so ask good questions and find what you want your life to be about and start putting energy there. That's so beautiful. Madison, this has been incredible. Thank you so much. I'm so Thank glad you. that we got to connect in this way. If people um, who are listening want to find more about you, find more about Sacred Heart or any of your work, where should they go to follow along? Yeah. So my website is my name, madisonmorgan.com. Um, the Sacred Heart Sanctuary is just backslash sanctuary. So you can go to my website and learn all about that. It is open if anyone's curious about joining. We have two monthly group calls a month. And like you can, you don't have to wait for the next big launch of it. You can join if you're feeling led to it and just want the support now. Usually we have, we have a call every other week. So like whatever day you're listening to this, we have a call coming soon. So come join us on the call. Um, and of course I like being on Instagram. I'd like to pull my time a little bit away from there and put it more into the sanctuary and into my newsletter. So, um, definitely join my newsletter. You can also do that on my website. We're in a podcast break for the summer again, so I can give more energy to the sanctuary, but 
it's called everything belongs. If anyone wants to subscribe, there's like, you know, 120 episodes they could go listen to if they wanted to dive in. So you don't have to wait for a new one. They're all like really potent. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. And we'll have links for all of that in the show notes below. So everybody can click on that and find out more. So again, thank you so much for your time and for being here and investing your energy with us and sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much. It's like amazing how fast an hour can go whenever (laughs) you're talking about what you love with a person that's really fun. Awesome. Okay. That was pretty dang cool. I love how Madison's advice was to ask good questions. There's really something about curiosity, um, being curious and remaining open that helps us on our spiritual path. That helps us on our self-discovery, helps us to live more sovereignly, helps us to liberate more um, and helps us to be a guardian for good. I love her new project. And so, like I said, the links will be in the show notes below, but as you guys continue to do the work and as you guys continue to root into your feminine, as Madison said, continue to ask good questions. All right. I will be back with a new episode next week and I'll see you next time right here in temple space. Thank you so much for listening to rooted feminine for show notes, links, downloads, head over to rootedfeminine.com slash podcast, where you'll be able to build a deeper relationship with me and the show, as well as sink into all past episodes. If you loved what you heard today, it would be so kind of you to share it with your divine feminine friends, subscribe to the show, and even leave a review. Cannot wait to connect with you next week.